Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place." Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Good morning, everybody. All right. Kennedy said, good luck while I walked up here today. <laughs> no, that's good. But I'm glad that you guys are all, all are here today. Whether you came because the wonderful coffee today, maybe you came because right, you wanted to bring your kids into church to have them learn the different Bible stories. Maybe you came because you thought this was that tattoo parlor, and now you're just waiting in line. But sorry to disappoint you. Unless you want a stick figure, I got nothing for you. <laughs> nothing for you. But now it would just be rude to leave, so now you're stuck, right? But maybe you are truly lost and you don't know where to turn to. Maybe you've seen the church sign and you went to church as a kid or something like that and now you feel like you need to, to get back into church. Maybe you heard somebody at work or some other place talking about God or a Savior, so you are going to give God a chance. Let me just say, you are in the right spot. Amen. You are in the right spot. Jesus Christ, he is the Savior of the world, the Savior of sinners, the light in dark places, the hopefulness for all generations. Then this passage today by Peter takes his own account and points it to who Jesus truly is. Let's pray, and then we'll get down to it. Father, we humbly come before you today with broken hearts, with wounds. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you heal our wounds today, Lord. Show us in the scriptures, Lord, just how beautiful you truly are. Lord, soften our hearts, open our minds to your truths. To your truths, Lord. In your holy, precious name, amen. So, the weather is getting colder. I don't know if you guys have felt it a little bit. On Tuesday, our kids had soccer practice, and like, I was cold. I was still in shorts and a t-shirt. But I should have brought a long sleeve. I was like that cold. And I'm from Minnesota. So typically when the weather gets colder, my accent comes out a little bit more, don't you know? So, <laughs> so, so just be, be cognizant of that. But I think it's also amazing just how quickly we climatize to our locations and two different things. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. Have we been climatized to God's word? Just kind of stagnant or in a rut? It's because maybe just in the, the busyness of our lives, what the word is about and who truly wrote it. So this sermon series today that we've been going through for Second Peter is about family reminders. And last week, Ron walked us through the first part of Second Peter chapter 1. 
I always like to do a short recap because it helps us understand the big picture and just not a little bit of pieces, but the big picture of what Peter is trying to describe and who is writing it for. So last week, Ron preached on what, on the reminder that we as believers need to be mirrors, right? Mirrors, reflections of Jesus and to grow in the pursuit of Christ's likeness. And that we need to be right, stirred up in the community to help us remember God's promises. Right? I think that's a good reminder that we need to continue to remember. Today, I have a reminder for you guys as well, which is along my, my, with, my, uh, with my main idea. And that is, trust the word. Trust the word, which points to the light of the world, who is Jesus, who we eagerly wait for his wonderful return. So trust the word which points to the light, who is Jesus, of the world, who we eagerly wait for his wonderful return. Or, trust the word while we wait for Jesus. All right, then I have three main points for you guys this morning. Sticking with the W theme, if you guys didn't notice that in a little bit. But witness, word, and then wait. Witness, word, wait. Waiting. So Peter was a witness to so many events throughout his lifetime that he's seen Jesus do. But in this passage, he focuses on one. So we're going to look at that and describe that a little bit. Then we're going to look at the Word. We're going to look at how we can trust the Bible and what it says about the light of the world and who it truly is. Then in our waiting, what are we to do in, his, in our waiting while we wait for his return? As believers, we have a message that needs to be shared. So witness, Word, and waiting. For witness, I'm no lawyer but I've watched a couple TV shows, some movies that have, that I can understand a little bit more of the court case, can have a good idea. Right there, there's a judge, the jury, the lawyers, the plaintiff, the victims. But the lawyers would call up the witnesses to help describe the event and tell what happened. Right? The judge wasn't there, the jury wasn't there. They need an explanation of what truly happened. So having a witness for a trial in a court case is critical. And this evidence is so important as long as the witness is trustworthy. And if the testimony aligns with other witnesses, then that's pretty much case closed, period, dot. So Peter wrote this letter. So is Peter trustworthy? Can we trust Peter's testimony, what he is saying in these words today? So let's just examine Peter for a moment. So what do we know about Peter? What, he, was, he was a fisherman, right? But what else do we know about fishermen? Maybe extend, extend the truth a little bit. Extend the truth, right? They stretch it, right? They, they get that camera. You got to put the fish way out in front of you, right? With the camera maybe a little bit closer than you can kind of see. Here's a picture that I'm really good at Photoshop. And so, right? So you put it way out in front of you. You get that camera and go, right? And then you post it on Facebook or whatever, Messenger, whatever it might be. Or people probably buy that. That's the thing. Right? And they say this things like catch a massive fish from the deep, whatever it might be. But Peter, let's go back to Peter. I believe he was an honest fisherman. The reason why I think he was an honest fisherman because when Jesus asked him, and he said, we didn't catch any fish all night long. I think a typical fisherman would say, yeah, we caught a few little ones, but maybe we let them go. But we also see in the Gospels that Peter was married. But I think most importantly, he was one of Jesus' inner circle disciples. He spent probably more time with Jesus than any of the other disciples. But we also see that Peter died in Rome in 64 AD by an emperor called Nero, according to church history. So he died a martyr, which means being killed for his faith and what he believed in. 
Also, even in the Gospel of John, Jesus described that he would be martyred, that Peter would be martyred for what he was preaching and teaching. But Jesus still asked Peter to follow me. And Peter followed Jesus. Some scholars think that he was even crucified upside down. Imagine that. Upside down. There is no true evidence to support that, but, but we know that we do know that he was martyred. So he's killed for what he was believing and teaching. The fact of him being murdered up, or, uh, martyred upside down maybe could have happened, could not have happened. But nonetheless, I don't know of any fisherman that would die to a lie, or any person that would die to a lie, especially several fishermen, as well as the other apostles and disciples. They all suffered so much. Peter did have his flaws. Don't get me wrong. We could go through those as well. But he did have his flaws. But he truly did pick up his cross and follow Jesus. But let me show you guys something, something else here as well. Let me get this here. So last week we went through verses 1 through 15. If you guys kind of look quickly, verses, of, um, verses 12 through 15, let's just look at something quick here. So we're going to look for the singular pronoun. It says, therefore, I intend always to remind you Verse 13, I think it right, as long as I am in this body. 14, since I know the putting off my body. And then verse 15, and I will make every effort. So the singular pronoun, the I. I. Then we jump here to verse 16, and this passage here. For we did not follow, but we were eyewitnesses. 18, we ourselves heard this very voice. 19, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. So plural meaning me, which means what? More than one. More than one. So it's just not Peter's eyewitness accounts, but many eyewitness accounts. James and John were at this event as well. So having more than one eyewitness account right, is critical in a court case. So Peter was an eyewitness to so many different things for Jesus. What are some things that just pop in your head that Peter has seen maybe the Jesus do? 5, yes, 5,000. That's a good one. Walk on water, yep. Transfiguration, Transfiguration. yep. Were we getting that too? Cast, yeah. Right, so many, so many. But he describes this one. Right, I, I even wrote down he healed Peter's mother-in-law. Right, you got to love those mother-in-laws. <laughs> Calm the storm. So many. But Peter chose this one to share. This very special event. So let's look at what, um, what he said here. Verse 17 and 18. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on that holy mountain. So verses 17 and 18 there. So Peter is describing the transfiguration. This event probably stuck out to him so much. He probably thought about it so often. Imagine Jesus being so bright, so bright, transformed in glory. Not merely just changed in outward appearance, but transformed in glory. It had to be just extremely striking. He became so bright in appearance that it was hard to look at Jesus. He shined like the sun. I don't know if you guys have ever done this before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Right? You close your eyes really tight, and then you look up at the sun. I did this as a kid. Maybe, I don't recommend doing it. Obviously, don't look at the sun. That's dumb. All right, but you close your eyes, you look at the sun, but you can still sense and just see like the orange and the red 
so bright. Just imagine Jesus and what Peter, James, and John saw at that day. But also sometimes this event is interpreted as a revelation of the glory of Jesus. As if like the veil, the veil were pulled back and the readers get to see who Jesus really is. Sometimes it is also viewed as a reassurance to Jesus. God reassuring him to Jesus that he really is on track and really is God's love son. Here but 2 Peter says that the transfiguration was a view into the future coming exaltation of Jesus. So Jesus' second coming with power and glory. But another key point here for the transfiguration, it is God's testimony. Confirmation of Jesus being the Son of God. The Father spoke from heaven to declare his approval and joy in God the Son. And God's word from heaven also clearly put Jesus above the law and the prophets. Because if you remember the transfiguration, Elijah and Moses were there too. So Jesus fulfilled the law and the, and the prophecies as well. So he just wasn't just a merely another better lawgiver or better prophet. He was God's beloved son. So let's just look at the parallel accounts here of what is, uh, what is, what is said in the transfigurations. We have... All right, so we just read 2 Peter there, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke also say something very similar. So Mark 9, in Mark 9, it says, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Then in Matthew 17, it says, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Then in Luke 9, it says, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. These are not contradictory statements by any means. If anything, it is affirming what was truly said. But who is God also talking to? If he's reaffirming Jesus, but also he's talking to Peter, James, and John there as well. So Peter's testimony of the gospel hinges on one critical element. He is testifying to the authenticity of the gospel based on his experience of God's testimony. So if we can trust Peter's testimony, if Peter is trustworthy, we can definitely trust God's testimony. In 1 John 5, 9 says, If we accept the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has born concerning the Son. We can trust this testimony. Because so like the people that Peter wrote this letter to, we can trust his eyewitness account too. Because God used Peter and the apostles to spread the good news that Jesus is God's Son, that he lived a perfect life, that he died a substitutionary death for our sins, was resurrected, who is now sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. His message is not a cleverly devised myth like it says there in verse 16. It is the truth, and we can trust this truth. But family, I think we need to ask ourselves some questions. We need to ask ourselves, do I trust it? Do I trust it? Or what is keeping me from trusting it? Maybe is a better question too. Do I trust it? So my second point, the word. We can trust the word as the light. Right, because we want proof. Our life is way too short to follow these cleverly devised myths, these false gospels, or whatever it might be, these false claims, right? We want the truth. We recently looked at Jude and how there was false teachers. And 2 Peter chapter 2 is very similar. There's false teachers telling people that Jesus wasn't the Messiah, that, that he didn't fulfill scripture, that he's not coming back. They even told lies about Peter, saying that he was just in it for the power, the fame, the wealth, the following, whatever it might be. But we look back, right? Peter died for what he was preaching and teaching. So now in verse 19, 
we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. So in these verses, Peter used the phrase, the, phrase, the prophetic word more fully confirmed. So he's talking about the passages of Scripture in the Old Testament that were fulfilled to Jesus' ministry. He fulfilled countless Old Testament Scriptures. Some believed... Excuse me there. Some believe he was more than 332. 332 predictions regarding the Messiah that Jesus fulfilled perfectly. Just on a mathematical level. Mathematical level. That the odds of that is just overwhelming. It pretty much cannot happen. So it's just not from one book as well. Not one book of the Old Testament, right? From Genesis, from Numbers, Deuteronomy, Daniel, Hosea, Psalms, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Michael, Old Testament prophets. Major, minor, so many. I know in John chapter 19, I know John is New Testament, but the crucifixion passage here, right? There are several things that John specifically made a point to emphasize that Jesus is the one to fulfill the scriptures from the casting of lots from Jesus' from Jesus's robe. Jesus saying, I thirst was in Psalms. Even not a bone of Jesus' body broken was in Numbers. All say fulfilled the scriptures. Fulfilled the scriptures. Jesus fulfilled the scriptures. Now speaking in these verses that Jesus is the lamp shining in dark place, that he is God's son. It's no wonder Peter could say that the prophetic word is confirmed and that it is a light that shines in dark place. It's something that we should cling to until the day dawns and Jesus returns. We can cling to it when we are in this dark valley. We can cling to it when we are hurting. Even when we're on the highest of mountains, we need to cling to his word. Because this truth about Jesus is so much more than just a collection of facts. Yes, it is super important to have just a knowledge of who Jesus is. But the gospel message is transformative. Transformative. It gives us hope. We put our faith in him. It changes our hearts. We need to receive that message by faith and commit ourselves to living out God's word. Now verses 20 through 21. It says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. So in these verses, Peter isn't saying that the Scriptures are reliable because people wrote what they thought to be true about God. Peter is saying that the Scriptures are reliable because God was active in this writing process. The books of the Bible are just not individual man-made messages about God. The scriptures are God's message to us about himself. God caused these words to be written in this book to be written and carried along by the Holy Spirit. This word carried means to be moved along as like a ship carried by the wind. And the scripture is God breathed, as some of you may know from 2 Timothy 3. God breathed. It's all from him. all from him. So let's continue to study it. Let's continue to just, it's a lifelong effort. It's a lifelong pursuit of trying to understand God's word. There's stuff that will get revealed years and years and years down the road. Never stop learning about God. Now this Thursday, 
um, October 20th, this Thursday, we have a, the apologetics class. And it's all about how reliable is the Bible. And this is um, led by John Holmes. So he's taking these questions that we've asked him to do, just help us understand and dig deeper, right? We're talking about community, to stir one another up, that we can come together and learn together as well. People ask questions. Let's get answers for those questions for them. So how reliable is Bible? So our deacon of apolitics, John Holmes, he is the one that's putting this together, and he does a fabulous job. And he never stops asking the why. He keeps digging deep and digging deeper. So I can guarantee you, like, sign up, and you will not be disappointed. Not be disappointed at all. All right, that's my little plug for apologize class. But going back to the transfiguration there that Peter, James, and John saw, which I said is talking about the second coming of Jesus. We're not going to go into when this is going to be or, or what all the different circumstances or anything like that, right? This is where I'm reminding you that he is coming back. This reminder that Jesus is coming back to judge the world and judge the world of sin. Can we handle that truth? Are we able to share that truth with others that he is coming back? To show him that as a loving father that we can go to him because he's coming back, right? This is no myth. No myth. He is truly coming back. So another question for you guys. So are we really looking at him as our light, as our true rescuing king? Let's remove our blinders and see him as our true heavenly father and what he truly is. Now my last point, what are we to do while we wait? Peter, before he was martyred, wrote these things right to remind us because we so often forget. We often forget about God's glory and what, and what he truly is. And to be honest, we're not good at waiting as well. I remember a few times, a few times I've had uh, waiting for my kids or Tracy or anything like that. My heart is always not in the right place. And sometimes it's even on Sunday mornings. Like, hurry up, kids, get your shoes on. We're running late. Don't brush your teeth. It's fine. You brushed them yesterday. <laughs> right? But maybe not that far. But nonetheless, it's like, hurry, 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 hurry. And we always, it's fine. We get here on time. I also remember one time when I was TDY. I typically have more time to myself from, when I'm away from home. I don't have to do the kids' stuff and whatnot. So I like to go to the gym more, put a few more miles in and stuff like that. But I needed to finish my Bible reading first. But from, in my mind, like, I was running late. Like, I had this plan for the day. It's like, go to the gym, expo on a time, go to lunch. I was going to do a hike and then lunch, right? So I had this weird plan in my head. But I was, for some reason, running late, even though I had nowhere else to go. So during the re this Bible reading plan, I was reading, I think, at the end of Matthew, which is like the death and resurrection of Jesus. So I read it really quickly. I skimmed through it like I was just scrolling through Facebook feeds, just a news feed. And then close the book, off to the gym. I just read about the death and resurrection of Jesus with no heart response at all. Like I was just scrolling through newsbook feeds. Later on in the week, the, the Spirit just convicted me about that. Reread it and just got down on my knees and just repented. He is the Savior of the world. Let's go to Him. We're often in a hurry for no reason because the days will come to an end and there is nothing that is going to change that. Right? As verse um, 19 says, as the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. It's something that we do not need to worry about. But until that day comes, we need to go to him in his true word that proclaims Jesus Christ as God's son, the only light of the world. 
Let's know and understand God in a more intimate detail. Slow down and meditate on scripture. Abide in it. Learn and understand his attributes. God knows the number of hairs on your head. Some of you may know that, but, but he knows your heart. He knows everything about you. Let's learn and grow in him and understand him. Study his word for everything. You can go to it for everything. For marriage, for parenting, for struggles, for encouragement, for teaching, whatever it may be. We can go to the God's word for everything. Because we tend to go to other sources for guidance or encouragement. But we have God's true word. And then while we are learning and growing, it will change our talk. It will change the way we reflect on our daily thoughts. It will change how we view people as well and the need of a Savior. And it will drive us to share the light that we have. And in our obedience to a loving Father, He will reveal something new to you in Scripture that is going to change you, make you more in His image. Because when meditating on the Word, it can impact us like walking into the fresh mountain air. It can take your breath away in such a beautiful, eye-opening way, revealing His wonderful light. Then as believers, we have this message that needs to be shared. It is a, not a come and hear message. It is a go and tell message. Oftentimes, like, yes, come to church. Come, be a part of this community. Hear the gospel. But we are also able to tell and go and tell the message as well. In my class that I'm in, the professor shared a story. Excuse me. You know, it was about two coworkers. These two coworkers have been working together for like 18 years. One was a believer and one was not. So their conversations were always about like surface level stuff. Like, how was your weekend? Oh, cool, the weather. Oh, how was your vacation? How was little Johnny's birthday party? The believer never shared about his faith or what gave him hope. But one day this unbeliever came into work and said, I have something amazing to share you, to tell you. I'm saved. I've repented of my sin. I go to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. The older believer said, that's wonderful. That's great. That's so awesome. I've been a believer for so many years. The new Christian's like, really? Not once. Not once did he ever share. But the, new, but the other believer's like, that's so wonderful. I'm so glad. I'm so proud. I'm so happy. Then the, the new believer said, sat down and said, I've gone through some tough times, and I thought about going to God. But I always looked at you and thought, if he is doing okay without God, then I can do it too. We may think that just being a good person is enough, but we need to share the hope that is in us. We have this, to have this, we have this light that we need to share. It's not hide it under a rock, but go share it. I can relate to that story because I know I've been quiet when I should have spoken up. Our actions do great things. I'm not negating that by any means. Our actions do great things. But is it important to live out our faith? Live out our faith, but we also need to share that gospel hope that we have. In Romans 10, 17, it says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So while we witness, we need to, I'm sorry, while we wait, we need to witness. You know the tune? Whistle while you work type thing? Right, so we can witness while you wait. 
Witness while you wait. Just witness while you wait. I'm not going to sing. Nobody knows the rest of the song anyways. It's just witness while you work. Witness while you wait. Witness while you wait. But I know what you guys are thinking, because I think the same thing. I'm an introvert. I'm too shy. I don't know even where to start. How do you even start that conversation? I don't know enough. Yep, that's me. Been there and done that. Do it. But do you remember what Peter did once he was arrested, when Jesus was arrested? What he was confronted by that servant girl, and he denied Jesus. Within an Acts chapter 4 and 5, something changed. Something changed. Peter is boldly proclaiming to the high priest and other Sadducees what changed. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the power to share the good news is through the Holy Spirit. It's not built on me or any individual. Because if it was not built on me, I'd fumble over my words, second-guess everything I would say, did say, was about to say. If anything, I'd probably be more silent than say anything at all. I'd just get defensive and probably push more people away. But we can go to him. The Spirit is working in us during those times. So when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he didn't start with go and make disciples. He started in verse 18 says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is the one that has the power to save. Amen. It's not us. It's through Jesus Christ. So guys, we can trust the word. We can trust this word, the message that tells us about God who he is and what he is like and what he expects from his creatures. We are created in his image. Let's not forget that. We're created in his image. But yet we are sinful. We have fallen. We run. But we can trust Jesus as our true rescuing king, who is God's son, who is able to forgive sins, who is perfect and who serves as our true redemptor, a true representative, and die the death that we deserve. Guys, we can trust that death could not hold him, and he is resurrected, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and he is coming back. He is coming back. So as the worship team starts to come back up, I think we need to be honest with ourselves, though, too. We are not good at waiting, and we struggle with trusting. So I'm going to repeat the questions again from before. Do I trust? What is keeping me from trusting? Are we truly trusting Jesus and his redemptive power to forgive our sins? Jesus Christ is our Savior, the Savior of the world. Because today's reminder is that we can trust in Peter's witness account because it is proclaiming God's testimony that Jesus is the Savior for all mankind. We can trust the scriptures that he, trust the scriptures that are God's inspired word, and we can wait for his wonderful return and proclaim that as a witness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for boldly sharing it to us, Lord. Lord, sometimes it is convicting, but I also think, Lord, it is an occurrence because you are working in our hearts, Lord. You are revealing so many wonderful things to us about who you truly are. Help us remember that in our daily life. Lord, as we worship, as we worship, Lord, help us glorify your beautiful name. Amen.